How you guys doing today? Nice, all right. Well, my notes don't have their numbers on them today, so better not drop it. Um, well, hey, welcome to The Remnant. My name's Todd. I'm the pastor here, one of them. And uh, yeah, I'm excited you guys are here. Beautiful day. You guys were in a good mood. I think a lot of you have sad too, seasonal affective whatever disorder. Right? Yeah, the weather makes you happy, and the, and, the, and the gray weather makes you sad. So it's great. Everybody's in a good mood. I'm very, very thankful. Um, however, right after saying all the good stuff, I'm going to bring your mood down a little. You ready for news headlines of the week? Yeah? Yeah. Let me start over again. How you guys doing today? That's good. You ready for some headlines? You're not going to be. I got you hyped for nothing. This is, these are headlines from today. That's what I do, Emma. I go day of. I'm like the news station, right? You might not even know this, Gina. This is up to date. Number one, principal escorted off of school grounds after graduation speech because he said this, successful people stomp on each other. Hmm. Number two, fatal shooting as gunmen open fire on Miami crowd. Number three, crime experts fear the summer of 2021 violence could be worse than last year. I don't know if you, I guess last year was really bad. I don't know if you guys knew that. Well, it's going to be worse. Number four, China threatens war with the U.S. over outreach to Taiwan. Nuclear war. They threatened that. They th- did you know that? Yeah. Number five, hunt intens- intensifies for armed killers wanted for spraying bullets indiscriminately into crowd, meaning they had no purpose. They just started spraying bullets into a crowd. Those are the headlines for today. You guys feel encouraged? No. No. The world is scary. <laughs> you know, even, you know, me. I read about the China thing a little while ago, and I'm like, okay, you know. And, and politics, they do that. But that's a scary thing, right? China's not a joke. The world is a scary place. The reality that we live in seems to be filled primarily with stress and worry Fear and negativity, it's everywhere all the time. I I did this little test. I didn't know where this was going to land. I had an entirely different intro prepared. But I was right. Every headline, every headline is negative. Everything is warning you. you got to be ready for the crime wave of 2021 because you need to carry the weight of the entire country's crime wave. you got to know about all these guys running around killing people. In Miami, you got to know, let's glorify them. Let's make them famous. There's armed killers out there. There's principals teaching our kids to stomp on people to be successful. It's everywhere. The news is filled with negativity. News isn't news anymore. Let's just be real. This isn't even meant to be political. It's just not. If you want ratings, you got to be scary. Social media is the most negative place in the world. It is. I, I, uh, it's, I, it affects me. A lot of people say, Todd, I know you're on and off Facebook. Yeah, I am. Um, Facebook is useful to reach people because people are there. But Todd, personally, I can't, I can't be there long. It, it drags me down. It's scary. Life can be hard. So you got the world stuff that's scary. And then you got your personal stuff. Right, and I won't even get into yours. Life is hard. Right? Money, um, relationships. Some of you are in the midst of a deep depression. You don't even talk about it because you're not allowed to. You're not supposed to be depressed. You don't have time to be depressed. 
Some of you are scared. Some of you are nervous all the time, and you try to grab everything to control it, right? That makes you feel safe, but the truth is you get more anxious because you can't hold on to sand. That's what it's like, right? You grab everything, and it just falls. In 2000, uh, I won't tell you when, age me, but early on in college, um, I'm going to tell you something about my story real quick that ties in with this because I'll use mine instead of yours. Uh, I... uh, if you've been here a lot, you've probably heard this. But right after high school, uh, life was going good for me, okay, I thought. Life was going good. I was, I was going to go play football. No, it was not my first choice, but it was where my girlfriend was close to, you know, and she was my everything. Earlier that year, um, my family sort of broke apart. Uh, there was some, you know, uh, this is always tough for me. Um, I had a parent that, is, that wanted to go and have a relationship with someone else and left us to that, and then, you know, fathers especially, you know, you, you have an effect on your children, bottom line, the entire family. What happened was it, it was the linchpin, and my family just fell apart, and I was the oldest, um, so it was easy for me to shift my focus t- to this, this girl, and uh, ended up not playing football. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip ahead here, but so family's falling apart. I ended up, crazy thing about college, you got to pay for it. <laughs> Who knew? They make you believe that it's free. You get that financial aid package, and you're like, oh, I remember showing my dad. I was like, it says I don't pay anything. You know, he probably just looked at it real quick, and he's like, yeah, okay, whatever. And, you know, not realizing these loan things, you have to pay them back. Um, so after what happened after my freshman year, I didn't even end up playing football. My goddess told me that it wasn't a good idea. So, you know, I got to worship her and do what she says. So didn't play. Went to college that year. Drove home every single weekend. Because the more your family falls apart, you know, I latched on to something. I was a believer by this point. I'd been saved but never in church. I always say that. That can happen. Did you know that? Did you know you can be saved and, and not mature anymore? I didn't go to church. I read the New Testament cover to cover, um, but I didn't go to church. So that was my community. And uh, so that next summer, crazy. I could your time. It would take like three hours. But um, she, she broke up with me, which is okay. Now, I'm going to tell you what, what happened. She's a very insecure person. Nothing against her now. You know, that was a long time ago. Very insecure person. And I was pretty well-known in my town. I had a pretty good reputation, believe it or not. I know that's crazy, considering Columbia City. But I had a really good reputation. And um, I don't think she could deal with the fact of breaking up with me because people would be like, what are you doing? It's Todd. He's a nice guy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, so what she did was she had to make me a villain. And so she started saying stuff. And, and listen, I know every guy says they're lies. These were lies, okay, like legit lies. And um, so I had to take a year off. Long story short, I'm not in this. Uh, also, a weird thing happened. When I was 16, I was in an accident. And a little thing about insurance. Um, when you switch insurance companies, listen to your insurance agent. <laughs> uh, when you switch insurance companies, there's like a lapse a lot of times. No one told me that. I'm driving. Last day of school, I'm celebrating. I'm getting a Hot and Now hamburger. Anybody ever remember Hot and Now? Those were good. Yeah, they were. I was excited. Me and my buddy, if he's watching, what's up, Jeff? Driving. He's a dentist now. Clean some teeth, buddy. Anyway, we're driving along, and I run a red light. Other guy did too. Crash my car, spins around. Everything's fine, though, right, parents? It's no big deal. Turns out when I turned 18, they filed against me, as, and I had a judgment against me. So they took for like four grand. I'm already out of school. This all happened the same year. So non-school, the four grand. Then they took my license because they're like, I ain't giving your license back. And she was very mean. So if you're a bill collector out there, why you got to be so mean? But she was very mean, and I didn't know anything, and I didn't know how to do anything. So I'm telling you this because I need you to understand the situation. 
um, my, my, my family, my mom had to, to go, you know, move. My, I have a sister and a brother, younger sister and brother. My sister kind of went off, did her own thing, whatever, because um, she wanted to. It's a little bit rebellious. Um, but my mom went to stay with a relative. He said, they said I couldn't stay with him. My mom's like, you can't go with me. You got to go. Like, you know, and I don't say that bad about her. I love my mom. Great thing. She was going through a lot, clearly. But I'm, ni- I'm 19 years old, and, you know, I, some of you, praise God, you were awesome at 19. I didn't know what I was doing. Okay, so no college, girlfriend idol destroyed, family destroyed. I was literally homeless. Okay, I was homeless. <laughs> um, no money, no job because I couldn't get a license, and I'm a homeless guy. So, like, I, you know, and I didn't tell anyone this because that's embarrassing. And like I said, I come with reputation. My friends would be like, hey, man, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, nothing. You know, you smell. I don't know why. Uh, no license. My reputation was tarnished. And I want you to, I tell you this because in the midst of life being negative, my own life was so negative, And my reality was so ugly and destructive and broken. It was broken. Like, I know some of you are like, that's nothing. That was everything. I had zero people. My buddies, I did have good, they were off at college, like, pursuing their life. I'm not going to go and, you know, stay with them all the time. I tried. (laughs) I had nothing. I wanted to die. I remember telling people, that if you've ever been in this kind of depression, and, and depression's a real thing, um, and I think mine was some spiritual too, that's a different story, but it was like I was living in the gray. Everything was cloudy and foggy, and I couldn't see. That's really what it felt like, and my mind couldn't focus, and, and I just was overwhelmed with hopelessness, and I wanted to die. The first time in my life, I wanted to die. And listen, you know, there's a weird thing that comes sometimes. There's a calmness that comes when a person is really suicidal. Right? Because it's not about getting attention. It's about, like, I just don't want to do this. And I used to not understand it. But now, you know, that's why I have sympathy. Because you can hurt so much that you want to do anything to make the hurt stop. Right? And you believe this lie that the only way to make the hurt stop is to stop breathing. Because there's no hope. There's no way out. I wanted to die. I did a crazy God story. You know, I had, I'm not a dramatic guy. <laughs> I don't say I am. Um, I, I didn't tell everyone that. Wouldn't have mattered. Keep it to yourself. Uh, I didn't tell anyone that, and I I tried a couple different things. But God always grabbed me. And I remember telling God, because I still believed I was different. I got on my knees, and I say this all the time. I said, God, whatever it takes, get me out of this. Whatever it takes, right? That's really what led to the crash. But as he pulled every idol from me, my point is, some of you are in the same kind of places. might not be as dramatic as my story, but... You're, you're broken and you're, and you're tired. And some of you would be there, but you keep grinding. That means working hard so you don't have to think about it. Because if you let yourself stop, right? Is it a shark that dies if it stops swimming? Is that correct? Yeah. Thank you, shark guy, right? It's like a shark. You're afraid to stop swimming because you'll die. <sighs> Finances, marriages, time, health, addictions, jobs, trying to make people happy, failing to make people happy, trying to be a good person. It's all so overwhelming. It's all so hopeless sometimes. Now, the thing is, if you're in the room and you're a Christian, we have been trained and told, and this is a good thing because it's true, but we have been trained and told that we can have a joy and peace despite these circumstances, right? That's what we are told. That is what our Bible tells us, the Word of God, and we'll preach about it, we'll talk about it, we'll sing about it, but here's the thing, you know, we can have a peace that transcends understanding, but I think that for many of us, it feels like we're faking. 
We fake it. We say it, but we don't believe it in here. It feels like it's a delusion, like make-believe. we got to pretend. We're playing house. We're playing happy Christian. We're, pray, we're playing that life is worth it, that life is good. It feels like a delusion. You know, sometimes many, many Christians live in a world where they wait to die because that's, that's when the good stuff comes. There's some truth to that, that the good stuff is coming. And listen, I'm not, this is one of those times like you love Jesus. If you're, that, you're the person, you love Jesus, you believe in God, you have faith. But we've just accepted the reality that reality doesn't lead to beauty, joy, peace, laughter, smiles. Yeah, I can, we can have moments of it. I'm not crazy. We have moments of it. Little, little moments of those things. But overall, we accept life for what it is. Hard, depressing, boring, with bright spots of fun and happiness, right? You have them every now and then. And you kind of live for those moments. You heard the story. You work all week. You drink all weekend so you don't have to think about the week. And then you do it all over again. What's happening in those moments? They're living for these hopeful, bright moments, right? But overall, life is really just like living in gray, rainy days like Seattle. That's what I picture, you know? London, London, cheerio, right? Gray, rainy days with moments and patches of sun. Sometimes those are the most depressing days. I can see it in my head right now. We used to have it in softball season. We're like, oh, we get to play softball. It's going to be fun. And then it's raining and it's like misty. You know what I'm talking about, that gross where it's like the sky spitting on you. It's not even really getting wet. You're just getting spit on. And then, you know, there's, it's dark and cloudy. And then you're kind of out there throwing around. And then the sun, literally, sometimes it's like where Jesus is about to come down. You know what I'm talking about. It's like, oh. And you're like, yeah. And then it goes, oh. Right? It goes away. And sometimes that's worse because you're, you, you think you get excited. And you're like, yes, things are about to get good. It's about to be a good day. And we're back. That's life, isn't it? Here's the thing. This isn't what Jesus says. I have been obsessed. Well, first, it, it's not what Jesus says, and it doesn't jive with the promises of God. I'm serious. Now, I know you're going to do the same thing I do, and we're going to. We're, going, we're so acclimated to playing make-believe that we'll nod because we know that's the game. But we don't let it go from here into here. That's why I say take your Christian earmuffs off, right? You heard it too many times. You can't hear it anymore. Take it off. And listen, I've been obsessed, and this is true lately. If you've been close to me, I guarantee I've talked to you about this. I am obsessed with the idea that God is not and cannot be a liar. And this sounds weird. I have to make these little, little like equations, you know, A is God and B is lies, then he can't, you know, I don't know why, but I do. And I hate math, so I don't get it. God is not and cannot be a liar. You know that? He is not and cannot be. That there is more for me and more for you than we accept. That there is. God didn't lie, and this is where I get struck. So I'm not going to speak for you now, speak for me. And I, I mean it. I'm obsessed with this lately. I can't get it out of my mind. And it goes in a lot of ways where Jesus says, you know, he's talking to his apostles, but the implication is the rest of us that have the Holy Spirit, you know, you're going to do greater things than these. You know, you see this, and you're going to see great things, and you're going to be empowered and, and sealed and, and joy that surpasses understanding, and the fruit of the Spirit is peace, patience, love, joy, all these things. Like, that's fruit. It happens, and it's like, yeah, it's not. And so what hits me, and this isn't, this isn't what we're going to stop today, is, is that clearly the problem is not with God. It's not. It's with me. 
experience with you. It's how we see reality. We want many times in Christianity, we want to make it material. I know I'm, I'm being weird today a little bit with words. What I mean by that is we want it to be something I can taste, see, understand, touch. I didn't lick that. That would have been weird. Touch, understand, all of those things, right? We want to understand it. We always say you can't put God in a box, but we live our lives worshiping a Christianity that can be put into a box, something we understand. But here's the problem. There's no life in it. So we follow the living God because if you're saved, it's not about whether or not you follow the rules. So it's an odd thing that we do. We, we turn our life over to Christ. We become saved and transformed. And yet we create a worship of him, that a, a reality of him that is in a box. He cannot be a liar. So what's going on? Don't be afraid today if you're in this room. Don't be afraid of letting your mind go there. Some of you love so God so much, you want to know how beautiful some of your hearts are. You love God so much, you don't want to think about it because you're afraid that you'll doubt him. Don't be afraid of that. He can handle it because what he said is true. So there's a disconnect, you know, that, that I believe if I read the Bible that there is more for me and more for you than we accept, that there is a joy. It says it numerous times. Freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom. That means something. And even power that we're missing out on. We are. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, because I think people feel it and they try different ways to, to understand it. So, like, okay, that's where we can start highlighting certain gifts, right? Uh, you know, I'm a, I, you know, people are like, yeah, you're right, power. So if we all speak in tongues, we get real power. Or if you, if you grab a snake and shake it around, it proves, you, no, you're missing the point. You're still trying to put God in a box, something that you do to prove it and to do it. No, it's, it's more than that. How does this idea of joy, freedom, power that we're missing out on somehow, you're a believer, you're faithful, you're good, you, you know, you're not perfect, I know you're not, but you're faithful, and yet you don't have it. So then the truth is, you love Jesus, so you ignore the parts that seem like a lie. How does that connect, though, this joy, power, peace, all those things? How does that connect with the scary headlines, the negativity, the stresses, and the rainy days? Are you ready for a crazy secret? Angie, you ready? You're going to love this. Are you ready for a secret that God tells us and it's going to blow your boxes up? You like that? It's going to blow your boxes up? Because I mentioned a box earlier. Anyway, it's going to blow your box up. I need you to, I need you to think and hear me. The key to accepting our reality is realizing it's not reality. Whoa, is he talking about the matrix? Kind of. It's not reality. The things we see aren't reality. They're not real. They're not real. They're not. How do I know that? It says it. Todd, what do you mean? I can taste it, touch it, feel it. You are not your body. You are not this. You know, the scriptures say, it's in the scriptures. It took me a long time. I always just reference C.S. Lewis because he wrote a book, right? Or there was a, the Shadowlands he talked about. It's in scripture. We're living in the Shadowlands. This is a pale imitation of reality. Todd, that's nice philosophy. It's reality. And you have to accept that. There's something incredible happening. Listen, I know I'm losing. Yeah, I got past the goldfish thing. I'm trying, Clint. Right? That, he says I have to get you and keep you for five minutes, right? That's the social media rule because your minds can't focus. I believe in you, but sometimes he's right. Anyway, 
things we see aren't as real as the things that are coming. They're not as real as the things that are coming. There's something incredible happening right now and something incredible coming in the future. The Bible says it's a glory. Glory. What is glory? I love words. It means two things and both apply. It means high renown. Anybody know what renown is? He said, yeah, that no definition, but he knows. Okay, good. High renown is like respect, honor. High renown or honor won by notable achievements. You get glory when you do something well, right? The glory of combat. We've heard of that, right? The glory of this. And it also means this, magnificence or great beauty. So I'm going to say it again. The things we see now, the happenings now, the struggles, both individually and in this world, are not even in the same ballpark as the glory, the magnificence, the beauty, the honor, the renown that is coming. You have to accept that Christianity is only half about this life, but is far more interested in, the, in eternity. Oh, here's the eternity talk, Todd. That's so great. You just tell me I have to sit in suckiness for years. No, that's not what I'm saying. That's what you believe because you put God in a box. We have a glory. Did you know that? You have a glory. We have a glory. And in the waiting for that glory to come, we can rise above the negativity, above the stress, above the depression. Because here's the reality. I told you where the story ended, right, at the moment that I wanted to die. And yet I am here. I am here because I did not accept the reality as reality. Because if I had believed that life would only ever be what it was in that moment, I wouldn't be here. This is the craziest thing, the best advice. This is throwaway pastor Todd. This is Todd, your friend. I'm telling you, and not everybody can hear it. Sometimes I feel like saying like Jesus, right? If you have ears to hear, you'll hear this. Let those who have ears. This is serious. I began to live when I accepted death. I began to live when I realized that the things that I spent my time striving for could be taken at any moment. Todd, you're confident. You're this and that. No, it's only because if you don't know who you are in him, like last week that half you didn't pay attention to, that's okay. The truth is, is that you, it, you'll fall apart. You'll fall apart because it's not real. How do I know it's not real? What is the definition of real? It has to last Right? Like, it's a, it, it lasts. The most real thing is the eternal. I'm not saying this because some of you need to hear this, this obsession with suicide and dark thoughts and all this thing that is, this world is doing. P.S., that happened to date me before that became some sort of obsession that people want to talk about. I, I felt that way. It's a real thing. You, you have to understand that, that, that life, life is more than that. When I accepted that, when I was like, you know what? When I follow what God told me to do, Todd, how'd you turn your life around? I did what he told me to do. And I didn't even do it perfectly. But I did it. And you don't believe it. And I don't believe it sometimes. And so we don't do it. And we wonder why we are where we are. We have a glory. And in the waiting for the glory to come, we have to realize we can rise above the activity, the gray. Listen, but realizing that what we see how do we do that? We have to realize that what we see isn't as important as what we don't. Okay? That's a Stephen Furtick quote. Yeah, some of y'all be sharing that, right? It's God. It's not me. I'm joking with you, but you know what I mean. That's truth, though, right? There's truth in that. 
realizing that what we see, what you see, the things that seem impossible to overcome are not as important as the things you don't see. You know, in uh, 1 Corinthians, it's not in my notes, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. You know, the real point of it is he says, listen, all these things are going to pass away, even the gifts. But these three will remain, faith, love, and hope, right? Can you see any of those? <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? Those, th- th- that's true. So, we're going to read a big section of scripture. And uh, I know you don't like that. We'll stop periodically because I'm going to do the goldfish thing, Clint. I got them. All right? It's just going to be like more of a, I don't know, whatever fish is more patient. But we're going we're gonna to be in 2 Corinthians at the very end of chapter 3, verses 15 through 18. 2 Corinthians 3, 15 through 18. <clears throat> and when you get there, I'm going to give you some context. Now, it's important to know that Paul wrote this letter. It's one of four letters. He wrote it about a year after the first one, 1 Corinthians. Get it? And Paul wrote this in response because here, you ready for this? You're, this is gonna, you're not going to believe this. A big part of this letter is because they were starting to say, you know what, Paul? You say that you see Jesus and you've got this, uh, this power and authority, but your life sucks. That doesn't make sense. Wouldn't God protect you and, like, take care of you and nothing would ever be bad for you? Why are you always suffering? To me, that proves you are not an apostle because apostles should fly around going, oh, right? And they have big mansions and white picket fences and, you know, a Range Rover. See what I did there? Yeah, that's what the good Christians do, right? And they talk like this and they button their collar. Anyway, so that's what he's saying. And so I, I wanted to, I had to cut this down because I love context. And really, three and four, there's such a cool buildup, but I got to stay to it. So read it tonight, okay? Well, Paul is, is, is telling them, he's like, listen, you, you're missing it. Actually, my suffering proves it because I suffer as Christ did because they hated him, they'll hate me. And all the more I suffer, paraphrasing, right, the more glory he gets because I don't get crushed. This reality doesn't change my reality. See what I'm saying? And his reality is in the risen Christ. Are you with me? Did I lose you? That's a lot of words. Okay, stay with me. So, um, really cool part where he's making a connection to um, the, the, and he says, you know what? Actually, I'm not like Moses. Moses had to put a veil over his face when he went and talked to God. Me and you and Christ, we don't have to do that. Right? And this is where we'll pick up. And he says, even to this day, whenever Moses is read in the temple, a veil lies over their hearts. Ooh, here he goes. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all, I love this, we all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. That's really poetic. That's nice. I'm glad he's trying to make us feel better. No, it's reality. What he's saying is, I love it. There's always a little, Paul has to remind us that in Christ we, you know, Moses, yeah, he was cool. I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And so he says, he makes this awesome analogy. I'm going to explain it to you. Listen, people can't understand God. They can't understand the Bible. That's why a lot of times you'll say, you tell your non-Christian friends, let's do a Bible study together. They don't get it. They don't understand. How do you understand? How do you understand die to self if you have no concept of Christ? You don't know that. What does that mean? That's gibberish. 
And then deeper, when you become saved, the veil is removed from your eyes and you have understanding. Who is the Messiah? Who is Christ? And then he says this incredible thing. Now where the Lord of the, Lord, now the Lord is, man, I cannot talk. I'm so excited, David. Now the Lord is the spirit and where a, the spirit, <laughs> now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Okay, ready? Where is the spirit of the Lord? Yes, everywhere. Ooh, that's good. You tricked me. I'm going to my notes. It's also in you. The Holy Spirit is sealed inside of you. Can't take it away. That's what it says. So if the Holy Spirit is inside of you, what does that tell us? You're free. Free of what? Worry? To be able to look at China and say, yes, yeah, send your nukes. Big deal. To live, is, to, to live is Christ. To die is gain. I win if I die. I'm only here to show you Christ. You understand that? You win. Like, I don't grasp this all the time, but it's reality. And we've taken that away in modern Christianity. We're scared of death because we're humans and we don't want to talk about death. Listen, death is coming to everyone. Do you want to die twice? Or do you want to live forever? Right? Because you die, your breath stops. And if you're not in Christ, you will die a far more permanent death. You're an eternal being. And he says, and I love this. So he says, okay, there's freedom. Oh, man, this is so good. I hope you're listening. I was saying earlier, like, I could just read this, and that's a, that's a sermon. Listen, though, this is so beautiful. We all, with unveiled faces, remember, we don't have to. We are free. We don't have to. I don't have to look at the Lord and put a veil over my face. I can look at him because of Christ. With unveiled faces, we are looking in a mirror at the glory of the Lord. We are looking in a mirror, and God is looking back in all his glory. Okay? And we are being transformed into the image we see. That's what it's saying. That the glory you see in the mirror, you are being transformed into that same, this is Paul's a genius. You are being transformed into the glory of the Lord, but it's a reflection. So who am I becoming like? Jesus. We look with unveiled faces. I don't have to be afraid. I look at the glory of the Lord Jesus, and I see in myself a change is happening, and I am becoming more like him. From glory to glory. Ooh, you see it. It's goosebumps. You see that? That's Holy Spirit stuff. That glory is changing us into what? The glory. Now we understand why all those old hymns used to talk about glory. We're like, why are we talking about that old word? It's powerful. This verse is so incredible. <laughs> we are being transformed with the same image. Ugh, Jesus, that's so good. From glory to glory, this is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Who does it? He always reminds us. You don't have your own glory. I change you into glory. Your religion can't do it. When I look in a mirror, if I'm being transformed by his glory, I'm very passive. Do you understand what I'm saying? That means I'm not going, give me the glory, right? I'm looking, and it's reflected back, and it's coming from him. I don't do it. That's hard, man. That's deep. Am I going too deep? I think you're smart. I think you get it. Jump down to 2 Corinthians 4.1. Stay with me. I have a point. No, no Corey today. No worries. We got time. Therefore, Paul says, since we have this ministry... Because we were shown mercy, we do not give up. Boy, we need that in this life. Well, if I say that to you, Hannah, hey, because you have this ministry, you don't need ever, ever, you've got mercy. You don't ever need to give up. You're never giving up. Why? The mercy is what? The glory. You're becoming more like him. You're empowered. You are, right? 
you don't have to worry. You have mercy. Listen, the one person in this world who has a right, true right, to judge me and that I will never be good enough for has looked at me and said, you are enough. I see my son. Welcome home. What do I, I don't need to give up. You know, I always get the feeling I'm on a schoolyard and there's like 10 kids and I'm a pretty good fighter and I'm scrapping and I get down and all of a sudden I get beat up and I look at him like, man, you're in big trouble when my dad gets here. Right? We don't give up. Jump down to verses 5 and 6. Therefore, don't judge anything prematurely. Stop. Boy, isn't that the truth. In my life, in the story I told you, I judged my life prematurely. I took away God's hand. What if I had done that? What if I had said, no, God, you're done with me? Some of you in this room, right, that the Lord has enabled me to love, to get to know. Maybe you even came to Christ here. I believe he raises up who he needs to raise up. But that's a, that's a sobering thought that maybe you don't know. Maybe no one told you that you matter, that he loved you, that, you can, that your sins can be forgiven. I don't know. But I judged my life prematurely. I looked at my life and said, there's no way out of this. I let my circumstances dictate my reality. Therefore, don't judge anything prematurely. Before the Lord comes, who will bring to light what is hidden in darkness. That's 1 Corinthians. That's okay. Uh, because that's the same thing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, it says this. For we're not proclaiming ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves because of Jesus. So turn to 2 Corinthians 4, go down to 5 and 6. For we are not proclaiming ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves because of Jesus. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts. For we're not proclaiming ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord. So we say you don't give up. For we're not proclaiming ourselves with Jesus Christ the Lord and ourselves as slaves because of Jesus. For God said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. I told you earlier, we don't give up because we have mercy. So that why, don't, why do we not give up? Because it's not even about us. We are proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts. Right? To give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Paraphrase. God came into your heart. He brought you light and life. And now it's not even about your circumstances. Who cares? You are reflecting him to the world. Right? And it's a buildup here. So what happens when circumstances are hard? Well, let me ask you this. Which one, gives, which one shows the hope of Christ more? If I had killed myself or if I stand here today and tell you what happened but where I am? If we judged whether life was worth living based on this life that we see, we're in trouble. Or even on the good days, because China's coming. <laughs> Might as well go dig a hole, right? Like, we're in trouble. Jump down to 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. Now we have this treasure in clay jars. What treasure? Well, he just told us this light and knowledge of God's glory, this glory. It's clay jars. Someone tell me, what is a characteristic of clay? Is, is it hard like steel? What is it? It's fragile and brittle. That's really good. Ooh, brittle. Good word. It's fragile. It's brittle. If I drop it, it's going to shatter. There's a point here. So he's saying, listen, now you have this glory in this imperfect body. With all of our fears, with all of our health issues, with all of our big broken noses, with all of those things. Right? That's me, Zach. He broke it. Anyway. <laughs> We are pressured, he says, so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. This is so crucial. Listen, 
He says, listen, you have that power inside of you. Go back, please. You have that power inside of you in clay jars. So in our weakness, in our fear, in the worry, in the stress, in the anxiety, in all of that, why do I feel this way, God? I thought you promised me. said, listen, God's power is shown in that. Because even though you're fragile, broken, weak, even though we are clay jars, when we overcome, when we trust him, when we don't focus on reality that we see, people are going to do this. Well, I know Todd. He is a warrior. Why does he have peace right now? That makes no sense. Well, let me tell you. His name's Jesus. And then it goes to verse 8. You ready for this? Who feels this way many times? We are pressured in every way. You feel pressured? Yeah, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. That's good. I like that, Brandon. Raise your your hand if you feel confused sometimes about life. Okay. We are struck down. Who feels like, man, sometimes I'm just laying on the ground, barely functioning? Raise your hand. Yeah. But not destroyed. Right? Go back. Who feels persecuted? Right? You feel persecuted ever means somebody don't like you? Maybe it's something that happened in your past. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your brother, sister, aunt, uncle. Maybe it's a coworker. It doesn't matter. Maybe you're mocked for your faith. That's why some of you, you know, you're only Sunday Christians. You still want to be cool, right? At the gym. We are persecuted but not abandoned. We are struck down but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. What does that mean? That's a weird word. That's weird, right? What are you talking about? Life, death, revealed in our body. Listen, we suffer. We do. We suffer at times, but in the suffering, God's glory can be shown more. When the world is insanity and we can say, listen, you're human, you're going to feel it, but you don't focus on that. When you don't let yourself hide under a pillow. There are people that literally, I'm telling you, in this country, reading that article that don't want to get out of bed today because they think China's going to blow them up. I'm not mocking them. I'm saying that's a real thing. We carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may be real in our body. That's so deep. You suffer to show that through the suffering you still love people. You are still kind, patient, that all, right? You yawn. All those things <laughs> make you, right? You can show yourself and show Christ through that. So I want to go back to the beginning of that. So listen, remember I asked you questions. Go to verse 8. It says, we are pressured in every way. You, you raised your hand and said you were pressured, but you're not crushed. You are confused and perplexed. What am I going to do? But you're not in despair about it, right? Because who's in control? God. Okay, keep going. We are persecuted. I feel people hate me, but God hasn't abandoned you. See, I felt abandoned. Where was he? Why would he let people think that of me? And then I look back at Jesus, man, and I go, whoa. Like, imagine being hated and abandoned by your friends. We are struck down, right? You're on the ground, but you're not finished. You're not destroyed. And in fact, your sufferings only give him more glory because you're resilient. Jump down to 16 through 18, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not give up. There it is again. He has to remind us we don't give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, even though this body may be failing sometimes, our inner person is being renewed day by day, made new every day, every day, every day. For our momentary, this is it. You ready? For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable, eternal weight of glory. Oof. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You don't believe that, some of you. I get it, especially young people. 
TikTok didn't tell me that. Some of the old people just say, I know you got your TikTok addiction too, right? You realize those are just people. <laughs> like, they just have fancy lights and cameras. Like, you, they, I just sometimes some of you follow them and get advice, and I'm like, do you even know this person? <laughs> anyway. So what does this section mean? Even though outwardly things are going poorly, the world is out of control, that's not, the, that's not truth. You think God is surprised by China? <laughs> right? You think God is surprised um, with the chaos in this country? I have to be really careful what I say or they'll, I don't get to be seen by as many people. But do you think that? No. We're being renewed day by day, and I love this. Our momentary light affliction is producing for us an incomparable, absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. You know, when I was in the midst of my trials, if somebody had said, Todd, you're just going through a light affliction, that's not helpful. Don't go around telling each other that. That's not the point, right? But you know what's funny? I promise you this. This is, this is real talk. You know what I did there? Real talk here. This is what it is. Is that when I compare it to what Jesus went through, when I compare it, when I, can, when I look back on that, that's why young people right now, everything seems so big. That's why you want to die. You want to die because, you know, Tony said you were ugly, right? And Tony looks like a troll, right? And so you let his opinion dictate it. When the reality is your husband, whoever it is, is going to be like, you're so beautiful. You're be like, you remember Tony the troll that told me I was ugly, right? You, you, but right now that's reality because you don't realize that God has already said you're beautiful. That's just an example our momentary light affliction, right? In that moment, guys, I'm telling you, if I had, I had, there was no way out. I had to die. I had to die. That's real. I'm being real with you. And I look back on it and go, I can't believe I considered that. Because it was so momentary. When I think of my life, I tell that story, but I don't tell it like, what was me. I tell it to give God glory. Because when the world said I wasn't enough, when the world said there's no way, he said, let me show you who I am. Because here's the thing about my story. I got back into college. That's a literal miracle. I applied for a loan. You ready? I'm just going to tell it. I don't care. I'm running late anyway. Corey's not here or whatever. I know. I'm trying, Gene. I'm trying not to mention it. So I t he typed. She yells at me and says, quit talking about that and go as long as you want. So t he, I typed it in. I hit it. Okay. I worked for a bank. Deny. I said, okay. Because remember, I was already accepting. I was. I was in a place of peace. And I said, okay, God. And I knew it was crazy. I said, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to hit submit again. You know how credit works? Twice isn't good. <laughs> okay? I was already denied. I promise you guys, you're not, you think it's past? This happened. I can tell you where I was, what I was doing. Hit the button again. Little time thing spinning. You're accepted. Why do I think God did that? I think God wanted me to know it was him. That's a, that, I mean, that's a real miracle for my life. Okay, um, he gave my reputation back. She ended up confessing to Grace College and other places, confessing, took it to the dean, eat that, right? He was a jerk to me. Anyway, um, got my reputation back. People apologized to me, and dude, you want to know how God is? Guys, I wish I could tell you. I love my college. God used it, but people were very cruel to me for a long time. And I'll never forget the day that, you know, these big wigs are like, oh, I don't care that I think that somehow you forced her to. I don't know what they thought. Like I somehow, I had no contact with this person and made them confess. And then I remember it clear as day, guys. It was the beginning of some random person. I am a nobody at this place. I wasn't involved at all. <laughs> I, did, I was like, I ain't being a part of your stupid school. I'm going to take your degree, but I'm not being a part of it. 
I got a call, and he's like, Todd, never heard of this guy. He was the chaplain. He didn't talk to me. He goes, would you be willing to come and talk in, at chapel? I went, and in front of, it was the day when, like, everybody was there. I don't remember what it, th that day was called, but it, every staff person is there. Every administrator is there. The whole place, they still do this. The whole place is filled, and I stood there, and I promise you, I might, I might cry. God was like, and the people, my accuser was sitting right here, one of the people that said it, and, and the, the glory of, like, nobody determines, you know, who I'm done with. And it was on their website for years. I'm bragging about it a little because that's his glory. I think he was rubbing their faces, right? Like, he, he determines where glory comes from. But in that moment, man, everything, right? I got college back. I got caught up. Sorry. I got my license back. Weird. By the way, how did that happen? God used a brother in Christ who gave me $3,000 the summer he was getting married. Wife still doesn't like me to this day. <laughs> that's true. I'm not kidding. I get it. Um, but I love him forever. And I, 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 if he's watching, he never, he has never talked about it one time. I paid him back. I didn't, but it took a long time because, you know, I was really poor. He gave that back to me so I could get a job and I could go to school, you know, and even let me have football again when I was ready. And I got to get it out of my system and I played pro. Ha, <laughs> eat that. Just so you know, semi pro is not arena. Here's the difference you get paid, you are a professional. That's how it works, okay? So sometimes like, it's semi-pro. No, it isn't. There is a difference. I've played both. Anyway, completely off topic. My point is God gives things back. The world doesn't dictate it. Some of you in this room, you got to understand that. So I'm going to give you a list because you love it. Oh, what? No, not yet. So you got to focus on what is not what is seen but on the unseen. If you focus on the circumstances, the world, your situation, this is what this verse means. You are going to be depressed. You're going to be on a roller coaster. Some of you are here. You know why? Blunt, blunt talk. You are always focusing on the scene. That's, I know you don't want to hear it. You're grumpy and you're mad. If you're all the way like this all the time, I just told you know, some dear friends of mine, I said, you know what spiritual maturity is? Spiritual maturity is when you allow God's truth to be stronger and louder than your emotions. When his truth dictates your actions, not your emotions. There's a difference. When you're focused on the scene, you're always going to be in trouble because it's unpredictable. But when you focus on what? The unseen. You don't see God all the time. It doesn't mean his truth's not there. When you focus on love, serving other people, hope, all of these things, when you read the scriptures, when you pray to God who you don't see, when you do what he tells you to do, amazing things happen. Because you realize what's real. And I don't know how to tell you. And some of you, man, you are such good people. Some of you are so close to me personally. And I can't say this to you personally because you'll just go, yeah, Todd, huh? But I'm talking to you. You are that person. Everyone thinks you're doing great because you, you, you got the family now and, and everything looks, but you still are, feel that way. And it's because I'm telling you, you're forgetting the unseen. So what do we do in the waiting? Some reminders in the waiting. You like that, Jill? I'm just always coming up with names. In the waiting, Number one, remember this. In Christ, you are free. Listen to me. You are free. It doesn't matter what they say about you. It doesn't matter what you say about yourself. It doesn't matter the sins you've committed. You are free. How do I know that? Because the Bible says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Jesus himself said, I have come to set the captives free. You are not a slave to sin. You are not a slave to your addictions. You are free. But Todd, I still do it. doesn't matter. You're free. And when you understand that you have a choice, it changes things. Number two, we, you, 
How about that? You are being transformed into something glorious in Christ. If you put your faith in Christ, sorry, if you haven't, I'll talk to you later. You can't have it all. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Remember what I told you, that glory, I don't get to take it from the mirror. It comes from God. If you're in this room and you're like, I want that and I'm going to do what it takes, it's not enough. In Christ, you are transformed into something glorious. Do you believe that? You do. Who doesn't? Shake your head. I need anybody to see. You do. do you believe that? No, you don't. Some of you don't. But you should. And the beautiful thing is, even the glorious being you're around, as C.S. Lewis said that, yeah, I love him. I told you, he's my dead mentor. He makes this comment, you know, you're never talking to any mere mortal. Ooh, he says that. You are never talking to any mere mortal. You are, I need to be careful. I don't know why I'm looking at Hannah today. I need to be careful to Hannah or Ali or Jason because that is a son and daughter of the king. That is a co-heir with Christ. Ooh. Right? You're, and the crazy cool thing is he's not even done with you because remember, it's like you get to keep getting presents along the way until the big present comes. So I'm going to change you. A little more glory. A little more glory. Look what I did. And then at the end we get glorified bodies. Like I said, I hope mine looks like the rock. But isn't that awesome? Do you believe that? You say you do if you put your faith in Christ. You're already halfway there. Number three, got to move, got to move. We have God's mercy. Man, I'm telling you what, when I let myself go, because remember sometimes, you know, people pleasing and people hate you and maybe even your spouse. Ugh, they don't like you. God has had mercy on you. Rest in that until the person catches up. Okay. Number four, we are not in darkness. It feels that way, the gray. Some of you feel, man, there's no hope. We are not in darkness, and you have been given a glorious mission. You are the light in a dark world. You don't have darkness. Don't let the darkness outside of you fool you into thinking that you don't have light. You radiate light. The darkness, <laughs> the Bible is so cool. The gospels say that the darkness hates the light, but it cannot overcome the light. <laughs> you can't overcome it. You can't, that can't, your light can't be overcome by this world's darkness. That's incredible. It's a fact. Number five, see, I always do that. Number five, did I say A this time or did I stick with numbers? I'm doing good. <laughs> I used to go A, two, C, three. Yeah, anyway, here we go. Number five, we have an extraordinary power. We have an extraordinary power. It says that. See, I'm not going to soften this and make you go, and what he means by power is a stout heart. No, you have an extraordinary power. Your father has given it to you. It's who you are. It's in your blood. You're Kal-El from Krypton. Huh? Nobody can take it away. That's what you are because of who? Because of who your father is. And here's the thing. What that means is this extraordinary power, I put it in front of you, you got this. Listen to me. I promise you. You got this. Number six, glory over struggles. Your glory that's coming is worth way more than the struggles you're in. By the way, that, does, that doesn't just mean when you die. It's not um, prosperity gospel to tell you that, that if you follow God, he will take care of you and you'll be given glory of some kind. I'm not gonna, you ain't going to be a millionaire, right? But there's a lot of saints living in Africa. And they're happy and they're joyful, right? In the midst of terrible situations, China, where they can't even, you know, gather in his name. The glory they have, right? And you know what's funny about that? When we meet someone from China, 
they think they're nothing. And they come here and tell us the story, and what do we do? We bring them to our churches and have them speak in front of everyone and, and give them money and give them what? Renown and glory because we are of the kingdom. I told this story. I didn't even think this fit. I told uh, this story earlier. So C.S. Lewis, there's a book. Anyone here called read The Great Divorce? Yeah, then you'll know this, right? It talks about what's the main, it talks about heaven, right? It's like what will it look like kind of, different parts of it. What are you going to do? All these kinds of things. And... Um, there's a scene in this, in this book when he is, he, this guy's being led, C.S. Lewis, the author's being led through heaven. Right? I forgot the title wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's a great divorce. He's being led through heaven, and he's seen all these people. And he's kind of on his way there, right? It's, a, it's an allegory, and he's on his way there, and he sees this beautiful woman. And she's got like, she's like, uh, like, 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 she's sleeping beauty. So there's like squirrels following her, you know, and she's floating in the most, he said that's the most gorgeous. That woman had to have been like a queen, right? She was a queen, right? Because he asked, well, who was she when she was alive? She goes, oh, that woman, she was never married. She was made fun of for her look. She was poor, but she took care of the people around her. She loved people and all this and this. You're just seeing her real form. <laughs> right? You are not who you're going to be. You're a saint. Number seven. Remember the unseen is the reality. Everything else is the shadow lands. Faith, hope, love, these things remain, right? Do you see how it all connects? That God says, stop worrying about these things. They're going to go away. Jesus says it all the time. Stop, stop, stop. You, he tells these parables. It's always the same thing. Some guy, I'm going to store all my treasure here. He dies. And he's like, oh, that didn't mean anything. It's the other things. It's the things of the kingdom that matter. And we're going to talk about the kingdom this summer. I'm excited about the kingdom series. You're going to understand what that's really like. It's already here, right? It's near. Anyway, I'm just excited today. Remember the unseen is reality and everything else is Shadowland. She's going to come play some music. Last week we didn't do an altar call because I wanted you to take, that's what it's called. If you're a non-Christian in a room, I didn't know what that meant either. It just means this is an altar and it's an opportunity for you to respond to God. That's really what it is, whatever that looks like. Are you in the shadow lands? Are you focused on the shadows? Are you on the roller coaster of life? Are you the one that's reading the things every day? Or do you wake up and go, I've got so many bills, what am I going to do with my money? Do you check your bank account more than two times a day? Oh, I know some of you weirdos, I love you so much, but you literally check that app at 1 o'clock and then you check it at 2.30 and you haven't even used your card. You know who you are. I do it too sometimes. Like somehow something happened, there was a glitch. You know why you do that? Because you're caught up in this world. You don't really believe God's got you. Because even if the money wasn't there when you checked it for the 18th time that day, are you, is life over? <laughs> no, it feels like it sometimes. Maybe you're in the middle of a divorce. You know, it's a broken, hurtful, terrible thing. It is. That's not the shaming one's been through it, but that, that's a hard thing. And the reality is, you know, if, if that is all life is, man, it's pretty empty. Guys, we have to stop making excuses for God. I keep saying all the time, and I stop making excuses for him. Go to him. The Bible's filled with men that even, you know, you, 
if you're mad at him, you're wrong. I just want to warn you now because I do it too. And he always goes, are you done throwing a fit? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, let's get to work. But you want to wrestle with him, wrestle with him. Just be prepared for what's to come. He can handle your questions. He can handle your, your confusion. He can handle your despair. He can handle your brokenness. He can handle all of it. But you have to be willing to stop living in the shadowlands and believe in the unseen. You've already done that. If you were in Christ, you have said that a God-man died and was raised from the dead. You say you believe that. And yet, you don't believe the rest? That I will never leave you or forsake you. That I will work out all things for the good of those who believe according to my purposes. You don't think I sometimes go, God, did I really have to go through all that hurt, though? Like, there had to be a better way where, like, I, had a, I became a millionaire and I'm still here. <laughs> no. I don't get to ask that question because I don't see the whole picture. Stop. Young people. Man, we, we talk to you like you're four sometimes. I know that. I'm never going to tell you that that stuff at school that happens doesn't, isn't important, that it's light. That's not. It's real. And your mom that tells you it's not and your uncle, they're lying because they were crying in their beds too when Tony told them they were ugly. But here's what we can promise you. There is truth in it. That doesn't matter. Don't let, right, don't let a temporary situation lead you to make a permanent decision. It goes for everyone. I don't know about you, and I don't have all the answers, and I'm preaching to myself. I am obsessed that Jesus told me that I can have more. I can have peace and joy. I can laugh and cry, and I can have deep community, and I can have days where I don't wake up and hate myself, that that is real. And I won't stop. And I'm going to call. I'm going to hold him to what he told me. You told me this, and he can handle that. But sometimes we sit in a room that's on fire and he says, through this door, walking this way, you will have life. And we say, no, I'm going to sit here. Or I always say, oh, you're going to say, I'm going to lose weight and run a marathon. And you spend the next three months eating donuts and not getting off the couch. That, and then you're like, why can't I finish this marathon? Right? That's the, how crazy it is. God loves you. The Father hasn't forgotten you. You are being transformed. Well, Todd, I'm a piece of poo. I know what I am. That's okay. You're a glorious piece of poo. And God's not through with you yet. All right? He's not. I don't talk about this enough. I'm going to go later. I don't care. Man, it's so important to me. Life is in death. That's weird. I died to my stuff. I was going to be in the NFL. I was going to be a, don't laugh, Andy. I was going to be in the NFL. I was going to be a lawyer. I was going to be this. I was going to be that. But I can honestly say I wouldn't trade it because he knew what was best for me. And I wasted a lot of time focusing on the scene instead of trusting in the unseen. Is that you? Do you want to live like that anymore? Are you, are you ready to say, no, nah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe in the unseen? If you're in this room today and you don't know Jesus, I'm going to make it real simple. You can have the same thing today. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to clean it up. You don't have to come to church 4.2 times. You don't have to do any of those things. This is what the Bible says. You ready? Listen to me. This is the truth, the truest thing. I wasn't raised in church. I, I should have been a pagan. I promise you. I'm telling you because it's real, and you know it's real too because I was in the room when it happened to me, and I ignored it many times until that night. Here's the truth. God created everything. He made you and me, right, to be in a relationship with him and to rule this world in his name, and he said, enjoy life. Here's one rule. Well, the Bible's filled with rules. No, that came later. We had one rule. He's God. I'm not. He's God. You're not. He says what's right and wrong, good and evil, and what happened in the garden is we said, no, I will determine what is good for me. 
And because sin, disobedience entered the world, it's like a disease that shows itself in bad symptoms, bad decisions, bad actions, hurt. We were separated from a holy God. That doesn't make sense. Why? Because a purely holy being cannot be with something that is not holy. Bottom line. And don't say you ain't true. You understand it. You don't put your dirty laundry with the clean laundry. Most of you. Can't have it. And so what happened for thousands of years is God said, you want to be away from me? Have it your way. And now we've seen what's happened in humanity. Now you want to know what humanity looks like without God? I showed you on the headlines. That is what happens when the creation walks away from the creator. But your father loves you so much that he made a plan. The moment you walked out of the garden, he had a plan to bring you home. And the plan was this. You couldn't. You racked up a debt. The Bible says that, that we have stored up wrath for ourselves. That's what sin is. You are guilty. Me too. There has to be punishment, and the sentence is death. Well, that doesn't seem fair. Okay, can I come and shoot all your family, and you just let me off because I'm a good person? No. But can I steal your car, and then I just go, sorry? No. So here's what happens. Someone had to pay the price. Jesus Christ existed. It was God made man. He invaded this earth into the darkness, into the shadow lands to show us the kingdom, to tell us what the kingdom's like, and then he did something incredible. He told us how to be, and then he empowered us to do it. On the cross, Jesus of Nazareth died for you and me. And the transaction can happen right now. He thought of you that day. You give him your sin. You reverse the decision of Adam and Eve. You say, no, you are God and I'm not. I'm sorry for what I've done. And in that moment, he takes your sin and mistakes and gives you his holiness. That's it. And peace, joy, love, patience, all those beautiful things. So, if that's you today, I don't speak Christianese very well. You've probably been lied to and told you're not good enough because something weird, you know, people are weird. But you are. Don't leave today without knowing what it is to be in a relationship with God. You don't have to. There's going to be people up here ready to pray for you for anything. For those that are like counting the clock, you're welcome to leave. But the rest of us, respond in whatever way God's called you to respond. But whatever you do, I mean this. Listen, it's not just a saying. Do not leave the same as you came in. Because if you do, you are choosing to.